Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of The Synopsis. I am Zach and I will be your host as we dive into the rabbit hole on episode 21, which is going to be an interesting episode. We're going to be talking about crimes in cemeteries. That's right, you heard me here. From grave robbing to skeeting skin, stealing bodies and all that kind of stuff in the middle, we will be discussing. But of course, we are on The Synopsis and I need to have a little chat with you guys. So. I know I was away on Monday's episode, I was sick on Friday, I didn't feel like the product that I put out was the best to my ability and wasn't that good for the audience to listen to. So even though I managed to get an episode out and I even got the song lyrics and all that good stuff, I didn't feel like it was a long enough episode, I didn't feel like there was enough passion in it, I just felt like overall I was just kind of doing it just to get the episode out, so I decided, you know what, I was going to take a break on Monday, come back for today's episode on Wednesday, be fresh, be restored, and just be ready to fire on all cylinders, which we're going to do today on this episode. So my question to you today is this, I put a poll up on Twitter, and I also put a caption on Instagram, do you think the synopsis should go to two days a week, or should we try and stay at three times a week? Now hear me out, if we do indeed decide to stay three times a week, I'm okay with that. It's going to be a little more difficult for me to get out the podcast, but it's still going to be the same kind of vibe that we're doing now, about an hour episode, maybe an hour 30, and we're just going to talk about random things and this stuff online and all that, like we usually do on the synopsis. But if we go to two times a week, it will either be a Monday and a throw a Friday? Yeah, Monday and a Friday, or a Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, or even maybe Tuesday, Friday, Thursday, Sunday, I don't know. Two days randomly in the week, and we'll figure out a schedule. We'll probably stick to Monday and Friday, or Wednesday and Friday, to be honest with you, because that's going to be the easiest times for me to record. But the problem is this. With three times a week, I'm spending a lot of time on the podcast, at least three, four hours every day that I'm doing the podcast, spending time away from my baby, time away from my wife, overall spending time away from the family, which I don't like to necessarily do, especially in my line of work where I have to be out of the house at least 50 hours a week. So it kind of sucks, but with two times a week, I feel like it will give me a little bit more time to get stuff done. The episodes will probably be longer because we'll have more to talk about. I feel like the problem with three times a week is this. Whenever I'm doing a this time online, I'm recording on a, on a Sunday for a Monday, a Tuesday for a, thir- uh, for a Wednesday, and a Thursday for a Friday. Which sounds, in theory, a decent thing. Record the day before, have it uploaded the next day. Sounds good enough, right? But then the problem with that is there is so little going on within that one day. Unless something big happens, there's not really a lot to talk about for this time online. Now, we could talk about other stuff during that, like segues leading into the main show or something like that. But I feel with maybe only two episodes a week, that void will be filled. So... If I record an episode on Sunday for Monday, I can talk about the whole week's basically what happened online and what happened in the communities. And then if I record Thursday for Friday, that's basically from Tuesday all the way up to that Thursday evening when I decide to record to describe what has happened throughout the week. Now, that's just something I'm throwing out there. You guys might like three times a week, and if you like three times a week, I'm going to stick with it. I'm okay with that. It just takes a little longer, and sometimes I may miss a day here and miss a day there. And I'm sorry for that. It's kind of how life works sometimes. It sucks, I get it, but hey, it is what it is. Like I said, I get sick. My baby's been sick recently. My wife was sick pretty recently. You know, you've got to cut the grass when you're off. You've got to do housework. You've got to take care of your baby. I don't want to be coming home from work, recording the podcast, and then not spending any time with my 
child. Like, especially in these younger years, I want her to know that her dad's there for her. And I want her to know that she has a dad that loves her and will be there for her. So maybe I will go down to only two times a week. And if that's the case, I'll let you guys know. Like, I have no problem only doing it two times a week. And like I said, it'll probably be a Monday and Friday, almost like a regular podcast schedule is. Some people only do once a week. And to me, that's not enough. I felt three times a week was a good amount at the time of doing the podcast and doing the synopsis because then that way people didn't get an overflow of things. I tried to do it every day. It was way too much to do because you run out of subjects so quickly. You run out of topics so quickly. I'm not a podcast where I have a certain thing I'm focused on. Like you have these podcasts that are focused on business and they can talk about business every single day because stuff happens in business. The sports podcasts, they have something to talk about every single day because sports is always changing. You just had Andrew Luck retire from the NFL. That's like three days worth of podcasts right there because they can talk about how his career evolved, how his, he affected the NFL, how his retirement's going to affect people. There's lots of things they can talk about. With me, it's not a multi-person podcast, it's just me, one person, Zach, modifying it, writing it, putting scripts together, editing everything, and then making sure everything goes out correctly. And that's a lot for one person to do, especially with a 50 plus hour a week job, a new a baby who is nine months old, 10 months old, yep, 10 months old now, jeez, I am old. And it's kind of difficult to do. So like I said, I'm more than happy to do three times a week. What I might do is I might get somebody else to help with the show and they can do a podcast on the one day that I don't want to. So maybe that Wednesday and I'll have a special guest host do it every Wednesday. And that way you guys still have three episodes a week and you can still discuss the things you want to discuss. And you still have a person coming in and talking stuff to have something to really keep you on the podcast and to talk about things. I don't know. I was just throwing it out there. So let me know what you guys think. Like I said, there is a poll up on Twitter right now at the Synopsis Pod. And that is also the same as our Instagram. We just got our Instagram name changed, so everything is universal at the Synopsis Pod. You can look up there. You can find our episodes. You can find links to Spotify, to our anchor, to subscribe, to follow us, to leave us a five-star review on the Google Podcast, on Apple Podcast, whatever it may be. You are listening to this podcast on. Every single one of you, every rating, every comment, every donation, everything helps a lot to help the podcast keep going. And like I said, maybe one day I can make this my full-time job. And if I could, that would be amazing. If I had enough people every single month who was able to donate or subscribe, share with their friends, be a, be a sponsor, anything like that, I'd be able to make this a full-time job, a full-time gig. And I could do this every day then because then there's nothing else to worry about. I can focus on purely the podcast. But alas... Right now, I can't do that because I have the salary job I have to work. I have the life I have to live. And I can't just put all of my energy into one thing. Now, it's not me having a lazy work ethic, anything about that. Like, I'm recording these podcasts late at night, making sure that my baby's asleep, that my wife's asleep, or going to bed, or something like that. I'm spending a lot of my personal time out here trying to make the best quality content I can for you guys. And I hope you appreciate that. And like I said, I didn't think Friday's episode was the best content I could possibly produce. And that's why I decided to take Monday off to make sure I felt better, to make sure that my voice was better, that I wasn't sniffing every five seconds or coughing or sneezing or whatever it may have been. So hopefully you can tell the difference today on this podcast. You can see the energy's more up a little bit more. So let's go into now I've had my little ramble out the way and throwing it out there for you guys to figure out what you want. Like I said, let me know on Twitter or on Instagram. I have been playing a couple of games on my phone the last few days that I've really enjoyed. OSM, 
manager online it's an online soccer manager game if you want to add me and you want to play the game it's against other people it's once a day you're just a manager of a, one of the premier league or spanish teams whatever it may be hit me up at for the wolves no underscores just for the wolves add me as a manager and i will play online with you guys it will be fun so i've been playing that quite a bit also shout out to journey of wrestling i have been playing their game non-stop it is fantastic obviously being sick there wasn't a lot of things for me to do so i was basically just on my phone playing games and doing things like that also before we get into this time online i want to give another shout out to our sponsors ethics which is another vegan product animal cruelty free clothing company ethcs Dot com go check them out their new camouflage hoodie and sweatpants just dropped fantastic quality they look good you'll look like a vibe you'll look fresh anything in the uk over 50 pounds right now is free shipping and anything outside of the uk over 80 pounds is going to be free shipping as well check them out in the description below at at ethcs at ethics.com thanks for sponsoring us guys and last but not least, before we get into this time online, I want to give a shout out to the app Robinhood. They are a stock investment app. If you use my code SCOWEN, S-C-O-W-E-N, you will get a free $5 or more stock in your bank account, absolutely free. If you don't like the app after three days, you can go ahead and cash that stock out and get the money into your bank account. No charge, no transaction free. So why not go ahead and try and hook it up? That is at Robinhood app. Go ahead, check them out. Send me a message on Twitter. I will give you the link to my code. You will get two free shares if you are brand new to signing up because you'll get a free one for signing up and a free one for me helping you sign up too. That again, that is at Robin Hood on the App Store, on your Android Store, whatever it may be. Check them out. Get your free money today. Now, with that being said, guys, let's get into our This Time Online. And, of course, it would not be a synopsis show if we did not have a brief, quick interruption from our main sponsor. You've guessed it. That is Anchor. So, after Anchor has played their little sponsorship for us, and as you know, it is difficult making a podcast, and Anchor is the best way to make a podcast. After we do this commercial, we are going to go into This Time Online, and there's been a few things that have happened online this week, and then we're going to be talking about some crimes that have happened in cemeteries. Stay tuned, you're not going to want to miss this episode, there is a lot of references to some pop culture. It was very interesting researching this, and I think you guys will have some fun listening, so stay tuned, we'll be right back with This Time Online, right here on The Synopsis. Alright guys, so this time online we had a few things happen this week which I am not really sure to talk how to talk about. So let's just get right into it. The first things first, the biggest thing in the US right now is Andrew Luck retiring from the NFL and people have been criticizing this man left, right and center. He was said that rehab was very difficult for him and he did not want to continue the rehab. It wasn't making him think clearly. He was going into a state of depression and then just decided enough's enough. I am leaving the NFL, putting it all behind me and I'm just going to go live the rest of my life. And you know what? Good for you, Andrew. This man openly came out and said he was going 
goes through some things that he didn't really want to discuss in his personal life, that he was going through depression and stuff like that. A lot of people have been criticizing him, saying that, hey, you're leaving millions of dollars from the NFL because you feel sad. And you know what? Sometimes this is the problem, like we've discussed before, that is the problem with the world today, that male depression and thoughts and stuff like that isn't really taken seriously. People are basically saying to him, stop being a bitch, man up, you're making millions of dollars. Listen. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. If you're going through something like Andrew Luck was, he was going through rehabilitation to try and redo his job that he had been doing for years. Of course that's going to get you depressed. And if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to. No one's going to force you in life to do something like that, nor should they force you to, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. So Andrew Luck should be happy with the way that he left the NFL, the way that he left that toxic environment, those toxic fans and all those people talking shit on him. Listen, you aren't in this man's situation, okay? This man could have gone through a lot of things that you do not know about, nor do you ever probably will know about. So you definitely just leave to give him a break, let him do his thing, maybe he'll rehab and eventually come back later in the future, who knows? Retirement doesn't always necessarily mean forever, it just means he definitely needs a longer break than he is being given right now. So, good for you Andrew, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing the right thing, making, self, making sure yourself is happy first and putting those others second. Sometimes you need to look after yourself before you start trying to care and or look after somebody else now speaking of looking after somebody else let's go ahead and talk about 13 reasons why 13 reasons why just had their new season released last week literally last week from the creators on netflix um based on the book obviously we all know about the first season the hannah baker season with that very controversial scene of her killing herself in the bathtub. Netflix have since removed that episode against many people's advice. Now, I understand that 13 Reasons Why removed this because it triggered people or it put people in bad moods or something along those lines. However, this is a serious issue and unfortunately it happens in America every single day. Now, to put that in numbers for you to understand really where I'm coming from, um, the average suicides per day is 123 in the US. 7 out of 10 are white males and men are 3.53 times more likely to die of suicide than women. Now, I understand why Netflix removed this scene, but this is a serious problem that's happening and I understand people are also saying that it was glorifying suicide and making it look more glamorous or whatever it may have been than it was. But hear me out. If this is a serious problem that they have in America, that we have, and that is a way to address it, a way to bring it to people's attention and leave the whole entire episode in, leave the scene in, do whatever it takes to stand up and make noise. Now, season three is a lot based on that. And if you haven't seen the show and you don't want spoilers, now is probably the time to start fast forwarding a little bit. If you don't care about the show or haven't seen the show but want to know what happens, then Indulge me, if you will, in this quick narration. So, season three is based around the death of Bryce Walker, and is a lot based on what he did in the past involving his sexual assaults towards women. And Jessica, who is one of the lead characters, is very gung-ho in this season about trying to stop that abuse culture, just mainly within male sports teams, which we all know is not the case. It's not just the jocks who do stuff like this. It's your everyday men, your everyday women even, as well. It's just everyday people who get themselves either angry or mad or whatever it may be and attempt to sexually abuse somebody. 
Now this is a very gung-ho, like I said, season for Jessica. People aren't complaining about her being gung-ho in this season about the assault that she suffered, but they were about the whole Hannah Baker situation, and it all revolves around the same kind of characters and the same kind of story. So this whole entire season is based on that. And if you have seen the ending, you will all know that it was Alex and Jessica who ended up killing Bryce. Alex did the final push into the river, and Jessica was there to watch. And they all managed to cover up this murder, blame it on Monty, who was already killed in prison. And everyone just goes about their day. Now, I get what people are saying in this, is that it's a comeuppance for Bryce. All the rapes that he did, and all the assault that he did like that. All of that, he didn't get arrested for, he didn't get arrested or charged for the Hannah murder, for her killing herself. He got away completely free and nothing happened to him. And this season kind of seemed to make it look like we should feel sorry for him because he was trying to change and he was trying to do all these things to be a better person. The truth of the matter is this though, no matter how much you try and change, you are still going to be that person. And that was said multiple times in the season that Bryce was still a monster, he was still this horrible, horrible human being. And I agree. Like, any kind of abuse is wrong, let alone sexual, any kind of abuse, physical, mental, anything is wrong, in my personal opinion. So, definitely does knock that shit out. <laughs> but, we were supposed to feel sorry for this character. I get it. However, you can't then have the kids, these are all kids in high school now, who are basically getting away with murder, getting away with abuse, getting away with so many things, and that scene in the end of season 2 with Tyler where he nearly shot up the school, big hot topic issue in America because of all the school shootings, but they showed what led up to it, which was the assault with the mop, and I'm not going to go into graphic detail, but he basically got a mop shoved up his ass, and it was a horrible experience, there was blood everywhere, it was a terrible, terrible time, and I can't imagine anybody going through that, or even going through that myself, it would just be a just pure terror like on this kid's face through this whole season basically and the actor did a very good job portraying Tyler I will admit that he was a very very good actor for this whole season and last but this is my point we aren't addressing these issues as much as we were about the Hannah suicide video now we saw her if you watch the original's first season you all saw that scene where she slit her wrist in the bathtub but that was addressed, but the issues that led up to it weren't addressed in the general public. They were like, oh, you can't show that because it will scar kids and stuff like that. Well, won't bullying scar kids? Won't kids have flashbacks from people bullying them? When they have flashbacks from when Greg said to Barry, hey, you're a piece of shit and I'm going to stuff you in the locker or something along those lines. You get what I'm saying? So you can't just segregate one scene out and say that's the problem with the whole show. Like, the third season wasn't that good, I'll admit. I did not like the new narrator, Arnie, nothing against the actor, or the actress, there's nothing against her, but it wasn't the same as not having like Clay or Hannah do the narration, it just kind of seemed like she came in as a cover-up decoy character, and I didn't like that too much, and I get that the TV show strays away from the books, and in the books she took pills to kill herself, and the Netflix producers thought it would be more aggressive for her to, you know, kill herself in the bathtub, and slicing and all that. I don't really want to go into too much detail because I don't want to trigger people or make people be like, oh, what the fuck? I don't like this anymore. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm trying to do a very vague description, but at the same time describe it as well, if you know what I'm saying. So season three overall, it was a decent season, but there was just a lot of things wrong with the whole entire show. It just didn't feel like it was a 13 Reasons Why show. It felt more like a murder mystery show. It didn't feel like, it felt like it strayed away a lot from its roots. 
and maybe it needs to go back to its roots, but a lot of people have been saying online that they didn't like the narration, I agree with them, a lot of people have been saying online this is more of a what the fuck kind of season, again, totally agree with them, because you have to time you were saying, well what the fuck is happening, so I can agree with all of those things that have been said online. Now with one more thing that is trending online, this is as of an hour and a half, maybe two hours ago, Pro Jared is trending on Twitter. And if you don't know the whole Pro Jared situation, go ahead and look it up. Um, basically, he was getting sexually explicit pictures from underage girls. He was abusing his position to have fans send him pictures to send them back to him, to then send them to him, to use those to an advantage, going through people's personal records and asking information about them. So, yeah, he's basically trying to make a comeback on YouTube, and the more we keep this person off of YouTube, the better. Let's try and keep these predators away from the kids like this nowadays. Like, obviously, there's going to be people like that, and we want to do our best to protect the kids. And this isn't me preaching about anything, this is just the facts of life right now. There's a lot of people on YouTube who will use their power, or use their fame and their subscribers, or their clout, as the kids say right now, to get what they want. And Pro Jared was one of them, and he's trying to make a comeback to probably abuse that power again. So, yeah, we're not going to try and do that, but what we are going to try and do is we're going to try and get into this episode talking about crimes in cemeteries. And maybe, just maybe, I will do a Chills impersonation because I was watching New Legacy Inc. over the weekend and they did a fantastic impression of Chills. I loved it. So, with my next segment, we're going to be talking about the crimes in the cemeteries. I'm going to do a little impersonation, see if you catch when it happens. Stay tuned on the synopsis, and we will be right back. And we are going to be talking about some people who have really helped uh, pop culture. And the first person we are going to be discussing today is going to be Pakistani brothers Muhammad Arif and Farman Ali. So, stay tuned. Grab yourself some snacks, we're about 25 minutes in already, but grab those snacks if you haven't. Grab yourself a drink, I know I'm about to. Stay tuned, right here, on the synopsis. Have you ever decided that you want to eat a person? Well, it's easier than you think. On this list, we will be talking about people who eat people. Number 12. Alright guys, let's just stop that crap right there, let me be honest, that wasn't the best impersonation that you're ever going to hear, but hey, I tried, okay, I tried, I'm sorry if I failed you, I'm apologetic, I am sorry. But, let's talk about these two Pakistani brothers, Muhammad Arif and Farman Ali. They've been arrested twice for this now, we're going to talk about the first thing, this is our first crime in cemeteries today. The first charge was in 2011, and these two gentlemen were charged with digging up a hundred graves and taking the bodies home with them. A hundred graves in 2011. So these men were basically going to cemeteries at the time, or going to funerals rather, and they were searching for their next meal. And as graphic as that sounds, this is the case of what happened. These two gentlemen, well, these two cannibals, let's call it, these two cannibals, basically were looking for their next meal. And they would go around and they would look for people who had been freshly buried or graves or were just mounds of dirt at the time. 
and they would dig up these bodies, take them home, and then start eating them. Now, it is possible that you can get a taste for eating human flesh, but that's after a long time of eating it. So, the obvious question is right there, is when the hell did these two men get the idea that, hey, let's try some human flesh, actually this shit tastes good, let's keep eating it, because a hundred bodies is a lot of bodies. Now when you think about it, okay, let's talk about a cow. If you were to dissect a cow, you have its leg, you have the ribs, you have the belly, you have the hide, you have, if you're going to eat the whole, you can eat a whole cow nearly. So I'm pretty sure, and not to be graphic again, you can pretty pretty confidently say you can nearly eat a whole entire human. Now an average human, let's say like myself, I'm 6 foot, I'm about 150, 145, something like that. I'm pretty skinny for my height and my age and whatever I am, I'm pretty skinny. The average human is about 220, about 510, something like that, like there's enough meat on them. 220 pounds of meat is a lot of meat, times that by 100, so you're looking at 22,000 pounds of meat. 22,000 pounds, that's a lot of meat, a lot of flesh, a lot of skin. Now, I don't even want to think about that, but that's what these two cannibals were doing at the time. They were eating up to 100 bodies. The police discovered the head of one of these victims in their home on April of that year, in 2011. Uh, neighbors had complained to the police about a horrible stench coming from the house and the neighbors had also become suspicious because they saw one of the men hanging around the graveyard on a regular basis. Uh, the older brother, Arif, who was 36 at the time, he is now in his 40s, was arrested at home and Farman evaded the police for a short time. The two brothers were accused of going back to their old ways and they were found later on to be taking more bodies and we'll get into that second charge in just a little bit so these two men were placed in separate jails at the time and they were arrested for anti-terrorism now in pakistan and this may shock you to surprise uh, there is no law against cannibalism they only served two years for dehumanizing a body so in Pakistan, there is no law against cannibalism, so you can legally eat a person as long as they're not dead. So if I was to eat somebody, I mean, it would technically be assault, right? So I don't know how that necessarily works. So if cannibalism isn't illegal, but everything else is illegal, then how the fuck do you become a cannibal? That's my question. It doesn't make sense, right? Like, think about that for a second. So these two men were arrested in 2011, then they were arrested again. Like I said, they went back to their old ways in 2014. This is where they faced the two-year jail sentence for eating people. Now, you have to be somewhat obsessed with being a cannibal if you're lurking around the graveyards and the cemeteries and you're digging up the bodies to eat them. You cannot justify this by saying to me, well, you know, it's not like a case of they went into a store and stole a bag of Skittles. Skittles have not sponsored me to say that, by the way, but if you want to, hey, Skittles, please hit me up. Please. I I taste the rainbow. But, but I, I'm trying to add some humor to this, guys. I know a lot of that stuff has been dark on the synopsis recently, and that's because a lot of people just like the haunted stuff or the crimes and stuff like that. Like, it's a good vibe. People like that shit, so why not continue it, right? Maybe I'll, you know what? At the end of this episode, I'm going to do a relationship advice segment. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk about some things because I've been have, having a couple people ask me on Twitter and stuff like that. Well, you're married and that, how did that work and blah, blah, blah. So I'll talk about it. 
we'll do a little relationship thing and I'll give you guys some advice. But what we're going to do right now is get back into these damn cannibals. Because I kept it light, but I'm trying to stray off the story too much. Let's wind it back a little bit and talk about these two men. So they were cannibals digging up the graves. And I can't even imagine that. And it doesn't say during my research, it did not really say what the bodies were. It could have been male, female, you know, you know, I don't want to think about it, children, like older adults, I don't know. So, for me, pretty disgusting vibes there. But the one thing that these two cannibals did was eat the skin and eat the flesh. You know, eat the bones, eat the meat, not the bones, eat the meat. Maybe use the bones for a stock, I don't know, but that's what, I guess if I was a cannibal, that's what I would do, use the leftover parts and make a human stock that doesn't, ugh, that sounds disgusting. See where my mind goes when we do research for these shows, guys? My mind goes into some weird-ass places, and this is why it takes some time to record the episodes, because now I'm thinking about, well, you could fillet off a piece of the human and use that stock, and then maybe use that stock for a good curry, and uh, you know what? I need to get off of that. So these men would eat these bodies, they would snatch the bodies and body parts, more than a hundred graves, like I said. But there's one person who was body snatching, but not for the purpose of being a cannibal. His name was Ed Gein, and if you don't know who Ed Gein is, definitely time to look up Ed Gein. He is one of the most famous serial killers in history, and he is the whole entire reason that Hannibal Lecter, Silence of the Lambs, was created. Now, Ed Gein, where do we even begin? Ed Gein is basically who Buffalo Bill was. Uh, you might argue he was worse than Buffalo Bill. He started doing his stuff in 1957, so this isn't too long ago. A woman called Bernice vanished from her job at a hardware store. Police investigated. Uh, eventually, their investigation took a turn and led to Ed Gein's house. And they went to have a look around. Ed allowed them into his house, and they found a lot of shit. They found the body of Bernice strung up and dismembered and gutted like a deer, done after she was already dead. So he had killed her, gutted her, and then hung and drunk and quartered her. Um, it got worse from there though, guys. Are you ready for this? Gein had been, for years, killing people and robbing graves, then skinning their bodies and using them to make all manner of utensils, furniture, art. Findings by police included human skin chairs, human lampshades, human gloves, corset leggings, a belt made entirely of nipples and noses, bone-eating utensils, so his knives and forks were made of bones, lips hung as decoration, and many more artifacts from the human body. The items were photographed before being destroyed, and for obvious reasons. Gein died in a mental health institution in 1984. Now, if any of that sounds a little familiar to you, that's because it was based on what Hannibal Lecter was based off of. Hannibal Lecter, in Silence of the Lambs, um, the Silence of the Lambs character where they went to the house and they found all the bodies and the skin and everything was based on Ed Gein. Now, this man was robbing many, many graves, and like we said, he wasn't there to be a cannibal, he wasn't there to do anything to the body except to harvest the skin, harvest the body parts, and basically celebrate that he either robbed a grave or killed somebody. His trophies weren't a, like a necklace or a piece of hair or a shoe. Like most serial killers have a trophy or they have a calling card. Ed Gein's trophy was the whole entire victim in a different way. A belt made out of nipples and noses. 
Can you just think about how many people must have died for him to make a fully functioning belt out of nipples and noses? Like, realistically, think about that. There's only one nose per person. There's only two nipples per person, unless they got that third nipple kind of thing happening, but that's, you know, that's few and far between. That's not exactly a common thing. That's a rarity. So, let's go to noses. One nose per person. How many noses does it take to build a belt buckle? Like, honestly, and if you look at the pictures, the photographs that Ed Gein, that they took at his house, there is some creepy shit that there is taken. There is, uh, I'm looking at it right now, so there is a human bone that looks like an arm bone that has a fork and jammed into it. So it's basically a fork with bone. He has a lock box, and inside of it, somebody's eye skin, there is a... Do you know like those old school clocks where they have the clock inside with that bulb around it? There is somebody's face peeled off and just held there. Now for those who don't know who Buffalo Bill was, I'm going to tell you who Buffalo Bill was. Buffalo Bill was basically an American scout. He lived in the 1800s, died in the 1910s, that kind of era. He was basically the man back in the time. Buffalo Bill was like the guy who would go around shooting people, he would be baptized in 1917, the day before he died. And um, he was just, it was crazy. He was one of those holy crap kind of guys who only come around once in a while. He was in the Civil War in 1863 to 1865. And he was just completely batshit crazy, according to the research I've done on him. So, if I'm wrong on that, I'm apologetic, because I'm not American. As you can tell by the accent, I'm English, but I live in America. Therefore, a lot of American culture is ingrained into me because of immigration reasons. Thanks, America. So, Buffalo Bill was like the precessor to Ed Gein. Now, <laughs> Ed Gein would be grave Robin before... He was arrested for the murder of Bernice. Apparently, he had been doing many, many trips to the cemetery at this time. They, like we said before, he made a lot of things, but one of the weirdest things, the most creepiest things he made, was a fashion suit. It was made of full female skin, and he would wear it around and pretend to be his deceased mother. Now, if you've seen that episode, that episode, sorry, if you've seen the movie Silence of the Lambs, and you've seen this part where he puts the lotion on the skin, then he drops it down in the basket, this is basically what Ed Gein was doing. What other movie was it, or TV show was it, that they had that guy who thought he was his dad? It was, um, oh, well, it was Bates Motel. If you've seen Bates Motel, that was it, I remember now. If you see Bates Motel, he killed his mother and locked her in a freezer and was in denial and he would go around pretending that he was his mother. This was basically Ed Gein. Ed Gein had a serious mental issue and mental health problems where he would believe that he was his deceased mother. Now, not only does he go around robbing graves, making everything out of bodies, but now he thinks he's his dead mother. Now, a lot of people speculated on Ed Gein thinking that, hey, maybe that because his mother died early in his, in his early years when he was young, that he became obsessed with the idea of bodies and skin parts and trying to create a perfect image of basically what his perfect parent would be or something along those lines. It's been discussed that that would be his reasoning. Ed himself has never, never ever in the history of his life discussed why he did it, he just did it. And like we said, if he's going around pretending he is his deceased mother, then there's something seriously wrong with this man. And 
he, like we said, he died in a mental institution, and I guarantee they weren't doing any research at that time to try and figure out what the hell was wrong with him. There was more of the shock therapy treatment, like, what the hell was wrong with you? Let's shock you until you get the idea that you're wrong and we're right, fuck you kind of thing. That wasn't going to be anything to solve any issues, but it would have been great, absolutely fantastic, to really get into his mind and really see what caused him to believe this or to think like this basically in the mind of a serial killer and i think science of the lambs did that very well when jodie foster's character went and interviewed hannibal lecter and he was basically the referral that she had to try and capture the serial killer he was inside the mind of a killer because he was one and that iconic scene where he puts on the security guard's face and then can get through the face scanners and escape from jail is basically what Ed Gein had on display in his house. He had somebody's face on display in one of those old school clock bulb cases. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about, where it has like the weird semi-circle thing and that thing's like see-through and like the clock would be in there and it'll go backwards and forwards like with the little balls twisting, like a pendulum kind of stuff. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. So that was basically what he just had on display. No shame. Nothing, none of this was hidden. That's the thing. Ed just had this on display. Now in Silence of the Lambs, it was hidden down in the basement. He had all these things. But this was just in public display. And getting caught. And eventually, because of the murder of Bernice. And actually another of other people he has claimed to have murdered. He claimed to have killed another two people during his time. There was a tavern owner called Mary Hogan and the hardware owner Bernice Woden. And then he said that he killed them both, obviously, you know, they knew about Bernice, they didn't know about Mary. It was initially found unfit to stand trial and then convicted to the mental health facility. And that's basically the Butcher of Plainfield, which was his name at the time was the Butcher in Plainfield because of the disappearance of people. And it was just crazy. Um, when they actually searched Gein's property, um, they found Bar uh, Bernice, not Barbara, why do I keep saying Barb? I feel like I'm thinking of 13 Stranger Things, sorry. They found Bernice's body, and we discussed this a little bit, and that she was just hanging upside down. Her torso was dressed out like a deer. She'd been shot with a 22 caliber rifle. These mutilations were made after her death. They found a bunch of shit. They found Mary Hogan's face in a paper bag. They found her skull in a box. They found... Bernice's head in a burlap sack. They found her heart in a plastic bag in the front of his uh, potbelly stove. Nine volvers in a shoebox. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. A pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. Fingernails from female fingers. Everything was just absolutely disgusting. This man had... He created his the woman's suit so he could become his mother to literally crawl in her skin. He denied having sex with the bodies that he exhumed, saying they smelt too bad. He admitted to killing Mary Hogan. It was just one of these things where just looking through his whole entire life, you can just tell this man was completely fucked up left, right and centre. So Ed Gein is one of the most famous serial killers in American history. If you haven't heard of him or you want to do more research, go ahead and look him up on Google. You'll find the basis of what I told you, plus a lot more in-depth information. We're going to move on to a pet cemetery. This is going to be something that is completely different from Ed Gein. And this pet cemetery we will discuss. What we're going to do though is we're going to take a quick five second break here. 
we're going to get in our last sponsor from Anchor for the day, and then we're going to come back and discuss a pet cemetery and a couple more uh, crimes that have happened. And then we are going to go to the relationship advice for the end of today's episode. So stay tuned right here on the synopsis. Now, this one is more of a recent murder. It happened in 2014. It was the name Brandon Neuder. I may have mispronounced that wrong and butchered it, so if I did, I did. Fuck it. Whatever. He murdered the heiress of a pet cemetery, Dorothy Thompson. In 2014, he admitted to this, and it was a cold case for over 30 years. Now, Brandon was a living caretaker for Miss Thompson's New Orleans Pet Cemetery in 1918. He was known around town as a con artist. He convinced Thompson that he was heavy to give him a 99-year lease on the property for $20 a month, and he was a very heavy drug user. So this man had basically a 100-year lease, $20 a month. Very, very easy to pay those bills and to score a shit ton of drugs. Now, at the time, like we said, he was a live-in caretaker, which means that he was just going around and he was taking care of the cemetery every day for the pets. He was cutting the grass, cleaning the stones, doing whatever he could to make himself look busy while he was out at night getting high. And for $20 a month, that's what he's living. Imagine that right now. Let's do that conversion in 2019. It's probably about $70 to $80 a month to live wherever you're living now. Imagine how many things you'd be able to get with that extra cash you had. So... Brandon was known as a scam artist in New Orleans, he was known as a con man, and eventually Thompson came to her senses and accused Brandon of tricking her, and she filed a civil lawsuit against him, and before the case could even be resolved, her body was found chained up in a plastic bag over her head in the Mississippi River. So, she was chained, uh, basically suffocated or drowned and thrown in the Mississippi River. Then the case went cold until a witness came forward. He told police that he had spoken to Brandon who confessed to the crime. When he realized the police were on his trail, Brandon panicked and began to threaten another key witness who also worked at his cemetery and had witnessed him strangling Dorothy Thompson. Now this was another witness in the murder of Dorothy Thompson and once Brandon found out he kind of lost his shit, he kind of got crazy and he threatened to kill everybody. Um, he basically got caught um, by saying that he was going to kill this guy. The police set up a sting operation, and he pled guilty for manslaughter in 2014. And, you ready for this kicker? He received 10 years in prison. That was it. So not only did this man get away with a crime for over 30 years. That's a 3-0. He only received 10 years in prison. And it's already been five years, because we're in 2019 right now. So in five more years, this man's going to be released from jail. And this man killed a woman and hid it for 30 years. And the best of jury, the best of justice system, whatever it may be, come up with would be 10, 10 years. 10 fucking years. A waste of a human life is worth 10 years in a New Orleans jury ice in their vision of justice. 10 years is what was granted to be in jail for. That was it, 10 years. That's a life sentence at the very minimum. You took somebody else's life, you need to have your life taken. I'm not talking about a death penalty, I'm talking about you're supposed to be able to suffer. That's what justice is, is to punish those and rehabilitate those 
in jail to become an active member of society. And if you think somebody who murdered a woman and hid it for 30 years is going to be an active member of society after 10 years, you are definitely smoking something. And it's probably not from New Orleans, it's probably at least from Colorado, if not from Mexico. And you ain't smoke, smoking that, you're definitely snorting it. So, so that was the New Orleans Pet Cemetery of Dorothy Thompson and Brandon Neuder. If that's how you pronounce his name. I, it was a small case. It really was. There was nothing really to it. Like I said, it was a cold case for 30 years. But the thing is this. Random ass things that happen in cemeteries go unnoticed. Now, a lot of people say, before we get into the next uh, cemetery crime, which is a very famous one. It's about Charlie Chaplin. But... A lot of people say that the cemetery is the safest place to be at night because nobody goes there. Now, obviously, if you're believing in the paranormal and all that stuff, the last thing you want to do is be going and hanging around with a bunch of restless spirits who are like, yo, what the fuck is you doing in our house, brother? But, uh, do spirits speak that? Maybe they don't. Maybe they'll be like, yo, what's up? You know, you want to hang out and want to play a game or something? Like, we've been here for like 300 years, you know, we're bored. I don't know how spirits talk. I really don't. It'd be interesting to find out how they did. Maybe I can get uh, Rachel Stavis on the show and she can tell me how spirits talk to her or these Clives or whatever it may be. So I'm getting off topic again. I do that a lot on these podcasts and I do apologize. Maybe that's why two times a week is a good idea. Thus far in the Twitter poll, everyone's saying two times a week. I'm pretty sure it's just my wife telling her friends to vote for that. So we don't know. But people say the cemetery is the safest place to be at night. And there's a lot of YouTubers who do paranormal activities and voice, uh, voice investigations like the EP, ESP meters and stuff like that at 3am because it's supposed to be the most haunted time, it's supposed to be the witch's hour, but cemeteries are supposed to be pretty safe and it's kind of crazy to me that a lot of these crimes happened in this air, in these areas of cemeteries because the last thing you would think about is going to want to commit a crime. Now obviously cannibalism and the skinning with Ed Keen and all that stuff, yeah you would think about that, but the fact that this man was caught killing basically his boss on site by two other people and he thought he could get away with it because it was at a pet cemetery that's crazy to me so I, I don't know that's that's crazy let's move on to charlie chaplin charlie chaplin died in 1977 and we all know who charlie chaplin was charlie chaplin is basically the most iconic man in film history because of the way he was the way he produced his films just overall he was a funny man and he was like the most famous man in probably in the history of movies next to Marilyn Monroe and next to Marlon Brando Frank Sinatra in music like we name all these big names Michael Jackson Michael Jordan all the Hulk Hogan we name these big people and we automatically know who they are or where they are from Charlie Chaplin is no exception so two months after Charlie Chaplin died his body was stolen from a Swiss cemetery. Shortly after his body was exhumed and stolen, his his widow, Una, received a ransom demand for $600,000. Now this was back in 1977, you do the conversion rate, that's at least two million probably now a day. Police started tracking her phone and started tracking 200 phone kiosks in the region because they thought maybe these robbers would be around that area. Una refused to pay the ransom, saying her husband would have thought the demand ridiculous. The callers later decided to make threat against her two youngest children. Now, quick fun fact 
Um, Una Chaplin, who was Charlie Chaplin's fourth wife, was only 18 when she married Charlie Chaplin, and he was 54. They had eight kids together in that time. The man was firing all, on all cylinders at 54 to have eight children. Damn, that's crazy. Eight children after that. At 54 years old. Good for you, Charlie. So if I, if she said, no, I'm not paying you guys the money. You guys can basically go fuck yourself. Charlie would say no, so why would I say yes? After five year, weeks of investigating, police managed to arrest two auto mechanics who were from Poland and Bulgaria. Uh, they were by the name of Roman Wardas and Ganshaw Ganef. I'll give you one guess who the one from Bulgaria is. And these two men led them to Charlie Chaplin's body, which they had buried in a cornfield about one mile from the Chaplin's family home. So the police were correct in their guess that the grave robbers would be around the area at the time the Chaplin's body was exhumed. They assumed that they would stay not too far away because you're not going to manage to move a body that far, especially somebody of that fame. People are going to assume and going to see and then it's just going to go downhill from there. So you're not exactly going to do anything too outrageous to remove the body unless like you were a lot smarter. And clearly these men weren't that smart because they both got caught after five weeks. Uh, Wardus, who was described as the mastermind of the plot, got four and a half years of hard labor. And Ganef was only given an 18-month suspended sentence where he had limited responsibility for the crime. It's kind of crazy again, only four and a half years and 18 months for exhuming a body and moving it. They tried to steal Chaplin's body in an attempt to solve their financial difficulties, which isn't exactly the best way to try and do it. He was inspired by a crime that he read in an Italian newspaper. That is what Ganif said. I mean, if you saw it in an Italian newspaper and knew it didn't work, what made you think you could make it work? I, I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna go after us, I get it, I understand it, but still, shit. I mean, to try and solve your financial problems, that's what you're going to try and do. It didn't exactly work. So, after they got Chaplin's body and they recovered it, they exhumed him from the cornfield and re returned his body to a safeguarded tomb, which they then doused in concrete to try and stop any future attempts on trying to exhume his body. So Charlie Chaplin is now in a safeguarded concrete tomb, to ensure that nobody will try and do this ransom stuff again. Obviously, his wife is no longer with us. He is no longer with us, but he still has kids. Those kids have kids. The family legacy and generation will continue. So, there's not really a reason to still have it safeguarded, but at the same time, you never know. They can use that against the children, the grandchildren, etc., etc. And while looking about this whole entire cemetery murder things and crimes that happen in cemeteries i mentioned that cemeteries are known to be one of the safest place to be at night because of lack of activity except of that of the paranormal that may not have been the case here in the case in ohio this was an unsolved case for 18 years and you've probably heard of it it was from jessica Linkeen who was a high school cheerleader. She was found dead in a cemetery in West Jefferson, Ohio. And it kind of is 
counteracting the whole sentence that I made of a cemetery being a safe place to be. Obviously for Jessica, unfortunately it was not a safe place for her and she was murdered in a cemetery. Now also a lot of people have said like it goes back time like gangsters and stuff used to kill people in cemeteries and throw their bodies into the grave and put dirt on top of it and then that way they just dug a little deeper so the grave was still six foot and then somebody's casket would be laid on top of it and then there would be no suspects and eventually if there was anything assumed they would just find bones and they'd assume that would be those of, of an animal or something else and there wouldn't be any tracking so the police wouldn't really look into it. Guys I will mention real quickly that during this podcast I am getting sick again. I'm not getting sick as I was but I definitely feel some stuffiness building back up maybe because of the heat in the room maybe because of the constant talking I'm not sure so again I'm gonna try and put this one out we're gonna talk about the two times a week again I don't know how much we're gonna be able to do the synopsis three times a week especially while I'm sick right now but two times a week is definitely possible definitely plausible so maybe we'll give that a go maybe we'll just do today's episode and that'll be it for Wednesday you know Wednesday's episode will be it for the week and then we'll start doing two times a week next week maybe I'll do a Friday episode it depends on the baby if I have to baby look after her while the wife goes out and do her thing there's a lot of things that go on in life so Let's get back to Jessica Lynn Keane, who was found dead in the Foster Chapel Cemetery in West Jefferson, Ohio. She had been staying at uh, safe houses because she was quote-unquote a troubled teen, and she had runaways after arguing with her mother. So she would be constantly running away from home, she would stay at safe houses, this was a common thing that people knew. One night she was kidnapped, raped, and murdered. Police were unable to find who their killer were. They found DNA sample from a jail from an unrelated charge that connected him to a murder that was for the name of Marvin Lee Smith. So completely randomly, these police completely just found this man who was responsible for killing uh, Jessica because he was in jail for another crime. They collected his DNA sample, it showed up on their little computer system that they have, you know, where they put it through the system and it goes through any linked crimes or anything like that. And they found it was linked to Jessica's murder. Complete luck by the police here. So they learnt in 1991 after uh, Smith had snatched Keane from a bus stop. She managed to get away from him into the nearby cemetery and she ran into a fence post. He caught up with her and bludgeoned her with a 70 pound headstone he pulled out of the ground. And this man was sentenced 30 years to life in 2009. But let's go back to that bit there where he's bludgeoned her to death with a 70 pound headstone he pulled out of the ground. This is no skinny man. Okay, this is a big ass man to just lift 70 pounds, not only 70 pounds, but 70 pounds out of the ground. A headstone is buried in concrete 9 times out of 10, or in a lot of dirt to keep it very sturdy. So he managed to pull that out and smack the crap out of poor Jessica here. And that's 70 pounds, she was not going to be surviving that. And obviously we know it was the kidnapping charge, the rape charge, and the murder charge. I don't know what order it went in. And I don't really want to know what order it went in. Like I said, it may have gone in a bad order. I'm actually going to research that real quick while I am here. Uh, Smith got Smith got keen to a cemetery Friday after dark. She escaped, tried her footprints in the mud. Pieces of duct tape and her other sock marked a trail as she ran for her life. Keen ran into a fence post and fell down. Smith jerked a 70 pound tombstone out of the ground to an old grave and beat her with it until she split in two. Wow. Uh, investigators found two pieces both stained with blood thrown over the cemetery set fence. So this man beat her 
until the headstone split into two pieces. That's unbelievable. So it does say here her body was wearing only a torn and twisted bra and one dirty sock was found two days later. So it looks like that it was rape after the murder, which is absolutely disgusting. I, you know, but again, we're in cemeteries and what we're supposed to expect here. But he beat this poor girl with a headstone until it split into two. That's 70 pounds on a body. And this girl didn't look that big. She looked to be about 110, 120 max. So that's nearly double her body weight coming down to her constantly until the headstone split. And again, that's made of solid granite or concrete or whatever it may be. So there's no light feet there. So this guy definitely getting what he deserves. Life sentence in jail. And I just can't even can't even fathom it so we're talking about headstones so let's just keep talking about headstones and there's a woman here in west virginia who decided to decorate her backyard with stolen headstones her name was penny snodgrass she stole a set of family headstones out of brownland cemetery in line to to line her burn pit and decorate her driveway so this woman was stealing headstones to line her fire pit and decorate her driveway. Just let that sit in for a minute. Not exactly the smartest thing to decorate your driveway with stolen property, and especially that of headstones that are like seven feet tall out of the ground. It's not, you're not the smartest Penny, are you? Let's be honest. But hey, that's what Penny did. And the police obviously see the headstones from, just from driving by her backyard. They could see it. She was charged with grand larceny and the headstones actually belong to decorated veterans of the community so a lot of people were upset by this i don't blame them i mean it's one of those things where not only stealing the headstones is bad to do to begin with but then you're gonna head and put them on display right where everyone can see all the public needs to do is make a phone call hey i see gravestones in this woman's yard can you please check them out to see if they're legit and you're going to see they're legit because it's going to have a person's name their age their death and you can look that on the national system database you're not the smartest man in the universe are you that penny or woman i should say uh, same man because the reason I say man is I'm looking at our next man we're going to be discussing who is Omar Cruz. He was a caretaker in a woodland cemetery in Stamford, Connecticut. And the police got suspicious of him. He They were getting tips that he was selling drugs. The police started tailing him. And when they couldn't find any drugs in his apartment, they figured the only other place they could find that he had no restrictions in was the graveyard. So they used a drug sniffing dog who found 10 0.6 grams of cocaine hidden inside a commercial side lawnmower park on the cemetery grounds. So this man was selling drugs out of the cemetery. He was the nighttime caretaker. So all he was doing was basically, you know, digging holes or cutting grass or whatever. May I think nighttime they mainly dig the graves. They dig the six feet. Like this was back before we had the machines, like to dig easier. It used to be by shovel. I think some places still have it by shovel. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I'm sorry. I didn't do that much extensive research into looking how they dug, up, dug graves. So, Omar Cruz then said, you know what would be a great idea? I can hide drugs here and then I can just start selling them. And to be fair, if he wasn't tailed and he wasn't suspicious and they didn't get a tip, he may still be doing it today because that's pretty... Not smart, but that's ingenious of Omar Cruz there to be like, hey, you know what? This is a good place to hide drugs. And 10 Gs, 10.6 grams of coke, that's a lot 
of money right there. That's a lot of money. A lot of drugs to sell, so Omar may have been getting away with it if he wasn't tipped off, so you never know. There might be people out there still doing that, so always stay looking at your local cemeteries if you're trying to score, I guess. That's the only thing we learn in this part here, huh? Obviously, I'm joking, don't do drugs, drugs are bad, okay, drugs are bad, okay. Yep, Mr. Mackey, yeah. Alright, let's talk about one more thing, one more crime, and we'll end it on a lighter note. We're going to talk about Anthony Stollard, this is an English crime, so my English fans are going to be fun of this one. It happened in Portsmouth, he was arrested in 2014 for pretending to be a ghost in Kingston Cemetery. This story, I don't understand, this man literally would be waving his arms by making the noise in the cemetery. Um, he would flap his arms around within earshot of mourners visiting graves. He was fined and given a suspended prison sentence. He could be seen in video footage throwing himself backwards and saying, Ooh, and the court had heard. He's unemployed, obviously. He was seen kicking a football at graves with a friend, so obviously we're not going to be happy about that. Uh, while the football was going on, the defendant was effectively singing loudly and being disrespectful to the among the graves. He was throwing himself backwards and waving his arms, saying, Ooh, he was assumed he was assumed to be t pretending to be a ghost. So maybe not so light because of what he was doing, but nonetheless, he's a man is in the cemetery pretending to be a ghost. Now what the fuck are you thinking? And uh, we'll do one more fun one. Why not? In Leaper, Mississippi. Uh, some teenagers were arrested holding the seance to communicate with a deceased family member. After receiving a phone call, police found a pipe and weed near a grave marker and stopped the four teams driving off nearby. They said they thought if they smoked weed by the grave, they would be able to speak to the dead. Obviously, the youth of today, not the smartest by any stretch of the imagination, trying to say if they smoked, they could speak to ghosts. Hey, at least they tried, right? At least they were thinking outside of the box. I mean, I'll give them credit for that. So that was really everything that I could discuss that was okay or fun or, you know, something that you guys could talk about with cemeteries happenings and crimes. There was one more. It was about a teen. This was in 2015. I mean, it's not the lighthearted one, but we'll definitely talk about it real quick since I just remembered it. 14-year-old uh, Jordan Watson, he was targeted by three bullies. All because he was dating a girl. A 19-year-old by the name of George Thompson became very jealous despite they were best friends. Thompson lured Watson into a cemetery in Carlisle, England and stabbed him to death. This was a big thing in the UK. I remember this in 2015. I was still listening to the United Kingdom news at the time in England and stuff like that, keeping up to date. Not so much now, but this was a big thing. This poor kid was led into the cemetery by three guys basically pretending to be his friend basically telling him you know he has to do this because he's their friend blah 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 and then they stabbed him and they killed him um thompson told watson he wanted his help in a making money scheme and obviously that he was more than happy to oblige 
He was really Watson's girlfriend that he wanted and Thompson enlisted the help of two other men who owed him and the gang murdered the unsuspecting child. Thompson was served 27 years in prison. The two accomplices were served 14 years and 10 years respectively. Again, nowhere near enough time they should be. This was premeditated murder. They planned on killing this poor child, Jordan Watson, luring him in with money just so they can try and effectively steal his girlfriend. Like, come on, guys. Seriously, you're 19 years old. You're five years older than this kid at the time. This kid was vulnerable. He was looking for friends. He was looking for people to talk to. He would, you know, at that time in a kid's life, it's difficult. You're trying to find your friends. You're trying to find where you belong in the world. And you're just trying to take care of everything. And for this man, and I was saying, this man, he was 19. He's a man at that point. You're not a boy. You're not a teenager. You're a man. Over 18 in England, you're legal for everything. You are a man, you piece of shit. You used a child's innocence and you used his good nature and his good intentions and you killed him for what for a girl you weren't even with the girl at the time were you it wasn't even your girlfriend it was his girlfriend and you wanted to take her and steal her and you knew that you couldn't do that so the only way you tried to do that was by killing this boy and that didn't get you the girl either did it that got you a prison sentence you fucking ass clown and i'm sorry i don't normally swear on the synopsis podcast i try to keep it pg and if i do swear occasionally it's not like in aggression or anything like that but pieces of shit like this piss me off and it's people who use fucking children for their advantage like dicks like pro fucking jared motherfuckers who use kids in innocence and their willingness to do to help children to help others children want to help adults they want to be part of your life they want to be communicated with they want to be involved and people use that to their advantage and it's sickening to see how many adults take advantage of kids whether it be abusing them emotionally physically sexually or even murdering them or using them as child labor to cut the grass how many people out there you have kids coming to your door and say hey if you i'll mow your grass for five dollars or something like that right yeah five dollars and you're like shit yeah i've got a big ass yard five bucks that's a bargain or you give them 10 but you go to a professional they're charging 20 dollars an hour 25 dollars an hour that's child labor guys look at it that is child labor and we're abusing kids like that and this is why the world is fucked and this is why in 17 months now not 12 years 17 months there's no coming back from climate change there's no coming back from pollution there's no coming back from the mistakes of the past it's over with and this has set me off on the rant because this fucking ass clown was 19 years old and knew exactly what he was doing he had two people who owed him one you really owe you somebody one that much that you're going to be an accomplice in murder you're an accomplice in murder what is wrong with you what the fuck are you doing why what are you thinking like seriously this 14 year old child is coming up to this 19 year old man and saying hey we're friends cool everything's good uh, hey, you want to make some money? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to make some money. Well, 14-year-old doesn't want to make some money. All right, come help me with this quick get-rich-quick scheme. All right, cool. That sounds good. You've obviously got it down. I trust you. You're older than me. That's what sh- kids should do. Kids should trust adults who are older than them. Adults, we don't have our shit together, but the kids look up to us like we do have our shit together. Like everything we say is gospel to them. Everything we say, everything we do is gospel to a child because they don't know any better. And they don't know we don't know any better. But when you are literally using that innocence, using that trust in you and taking it to a child and killing them over a girl, again, 
over a girl. This wasn't over money. This wasn't over drugs. This wasn't over a burglary that went wrong or a robbery that went wrong. This was over a girl. And the girl couldn't even be named because she was under the age of 16. And this kid is fucking 19 years old. Come on, dude. What the fuck is wrong with you? You piece of fucking shit. I'm sorry. I got off on a rant. I do apologize. And if you're still listening, thank you. I appreciate you listening. And it is true that kids look up to us as gospel. That every word we say, every move we make, like Sting said, they're watching us. They're learning from us. They are appreciating us. They are learning skills to to live life from us. And that's what we've got to keep doing for kids. We've got to keep teaching them the correct skills, the correct ways to do things so the generations between now and later are going to be better. I grew up not exactly the best. I know I didn't, but my kid will. You know why my daughter will? Because I will love her. I will support her in anything. What she does in life, I will support her 100%. And I will teach her right and wrong, how she should be treated, how she should enjoy life, how she shouldn't be afraid of everyone and everything. Because once you're afraid of everyone and everything, that's when life becomes shitty. That's when it becomes scary. So I will teach that to my child. You will not be scared of everything. And even though everyone thinks we should be scared of everything, that's because we were taught to be scared of everything. What if we taught the future generation not to be scared? What if we taught them, hey, this is what happens in life, but that's life. We just keep going and we survive it. Like, that's not us making them scared. That's us saying, hey, this might happen, but don't worry about it because it probably won't. We need to keep teaching our kids the brighter side, the future, making them happy. Because if we don't, we're just going to keep going down that path of depression and keep going down that path of self-hatred that we have for everyone and everything. And that's not a path I want my daughter to grow down. That's not a path I want her to live in. I want her to love her life. I want her to enjoy herself. And when she's when she's getting older and she's in her 20s, she looks around and she says, you know what, Dad? You did teach me well. You taught me how to survive. You taught me how to be my own independent woman. And I thank you for that. And now I can live by myself and I can treat others how I was treated. And eventually that will make the progression of the world better. I don't know, just my thoughts. So guys, with that being said, the segments of the cemetery crimes are done with. I've did my rant, I did my little talk, let's talk about a little bit of relationship advice right here on the synopsis, and let's start winding it down. Okay guys, so let's try and get things in a little bit of a lighter mood while we are running down the synopsis. Let's talk about some relationship advice. And I've had a couple of people ask me some questions about relationships and stuff like that. So let's get into it a little bit and discuss. So let's discuss stuff a little bit, shall we? So the first thing we're going to talk about is really trust issues. Now, there's a lot of people in the world who have trust issues right now. And a couple of people have messaged me or asked me, how do you start trusting somebody? And the, the answer to that is you really don't. The best thing you can do is trust yourself first. Once you learn to trust yourself, you can start trusting others. What I mean by that is this, is if you can't fully trust yourself to be committed to a relationship or to be in one or to be committed to talking to one person, then don't trust the other person. Because if you can't trust you, what makes you think they would trust you? Everything you do in life will give a perception off to another person. It will give off your key. And key is something that Japanese use in a culture to show their aura, basically, their physical aura of how you can judge somebody, their movements, their pace, their life, everything is based on a key. 
And if your key is off and you don't trust yourself, you're going to give off that key, that vibe to somebody else that they can't trust you. So that's going to be a relationship that doesn't work out. Now, on the flip side, if you're seeing somebody message other people on Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat and you ask them and they're like, oh, it's nobody or it's nothing, then something may be amiss. And I've had that case with my wife in the past where she's asked me about people I've spoken to. I didn't really say anything because I didn't want her to get mad about anything, even though there was nothing to get mad about. But hiding that information cost more drama than it needed to than if I was just open and honest. Now, if you're talking to a girl and she's posting something on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it may be, and underneath on her comments, there's like 10, 15 boys, men, whatever, commenting on her photo or on her status, and it doesn't really make sense to you why it's being commented, then ding 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 there should be an alarm bell you should be questioning that because if she says she's the only one you're talking to and then you see all that clearly she's talking to more than just you and it may not be in a relationship kind of way but it may it just may be in a way that you don't want or are not comfortable with if you're talking to somebody and they say i'm only talking to you and then they're talking to like 20 other people and even as friends even they're still not just talking to you right so they're getting information from other people, they're getting ideas from other people, and this is what leads to relationship breakups and essentially 97% of things failing because there's that trust issue. And again, you have to learn to trust yourself first. If you can believe in yourself that, hey, if this doesn't work out, I can go to somebody else, then that's the perfect thing to do is believe in yourself. You have to believe in what you're doing, in what you are, who you are. You don't want to be a fake person for anyone else because at the end of the day, now you're putting on that act and that act is going to have to stay throughout the whole relationship phase. And what if you get married? Hmm? What if you have kids? Now that act has to stay up forever. And then when that real side of you shows up and suddenly you've changed, suddenly you've become an evil or you've become a different person, you haven't become different. You're the same person you've always been, but that veil, that mask that you hid under has been lifted. And now you can be you. And that person didn't fall in love with you for that. They fall in love for the veil. You see what I'm saying with that? My can is on top of my watch, uh, dryer right now. Trying to get to her litter box, so you may hear a meow or a jump, and I apologize for that. But getting back to that topic, yes, trust yourself, believe in yourself, and put yourself out there. If you don't have faith in yourself, then have faith in yourself for one day. Just that split second, let's say you're on Tinder, or um, what's the other one? The other Tinder, Bumble, or um, Single Christians, or whatever it may be, fucking whatever website dating app hot or not whatever you want to use be be daring for that one split time you're on that app give yourself 10 minutes swipe 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 send messages talk to people be confident be a different person for that time just for 10 minutes okay just for 10 minutes a day be confident in yourself be faithful in yourself and watch how that slowly becomes over more time You'll become more than 10 minutes. It'll be 12 minutes, 13, 15. Eventually, it's going to be up to hours and hours and hours where you're confident in yourself. You believe in yourself. So many people have body issues in America. You shouldn't have body issues. You should love you for you and only that. You shouldn't love, you shouldn't hate yourself for the body you're in. 
If you complain about something, there's always something you can fix. If you don't like the way your hair is, you can change the style of it. If you don't like the way you look, you can do something. You, there is someone out there for everybody. Just because you don't like the way you look doesn't mean somebody doesn't find you beautiful. That's the case. That's the whole thing here, guys. Is that image is in the eye of the beholder. And if you're the beholder and you don't believe in yourself, then how is anyone else going to believe in you? You can change that. You can make yourself think positive about yourself. Make positive changes in your life. Be more confident. Be more appealing. When I say appealing, don't be like fake and like I'm saying. Don't be fake. But be more appealing to yourself. Become a person you like. Become the you that is the best you before you try looking for somebody else. Because I get it. Everyone wants to get into relationships now. Everyone wants to jump the shark and go into relationships. It's cool to do. It's hip to do. You're 15, you've been in a relationship for two years, good for you. Guess what? Those relationships are going to eventually end. Because you'll become different people, you'll go your separate ways, you'll find things in life that you didn't even know about beforehand, and then, you know, that's that's what happens, that's life. So once you find yourself, once you find the ideal you, the best version of you, go out, find yourself somebody who is the best version of them. And if they're not the best version of them, Make it so that when you guys are together, they become the best version of them because they see you being good for them. They see you being the best you and they want to emulate it. They want to copy that. They want to be that because that's the way you should be living. So don't go out there being down on yourself. Don't be like, oh, my face is ugly. I have a big beard. I have no hair or, or you know, whatever it may be. Like my nose is too long. My breasts are too small. It doesn't matter. There's someone out there for you. And when you believe in yourself, even if it's one aspect of you that you love, learn to love that and exude confidence in that one part. Even if it's like your legs, if it's your ears, if it's your nose, your eyes, your hands, it doesn't matter. Whatever it may be, that one part of yourself that you love, keep that mentality while you're doing this, while you're going out there trying to find yourself that next day while you're out there trying to figure out your next step in life this is what i love about me just spend five minutes a day thinking about that to yourself let that confidence ooze into your body and you will notice a difference i promise you 30 days i guarantee you'll notice a difference you will notice something you'll connect not only with yourself but you'll connect with your mind you'll connect with your body and it's cheesy to say you'll connect with your soul but you will you will feel this pressure being relieved and this release of pressure is what's going to make you feel better about yourself because it's going to be like when you get a great massage and you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. When you take a nice bath or whatever it may be, when that release is there, you feel better and it's only for that brief time you feel better and then you go back to your usual ways. But if you love yourself every day like that, then you're going to be better every single day and you're going to feel better every single day. And that's what we want, right? At the end of the day, we want to be the best version of us and have a relationship with the best version of our partner and have kids the best version of them. And we continue that cycle. And that's what we need to be doing. Continuing the cycle, making sure that we're the best versions of everyone and everything. And I'm not talking like that fake best version. I'm talking about that version, okay, yes, I have issues, but guess what? I'm proud of my issues because those issues have made me who I am today. I've gone through personally a lot of shit and I am proud of who I am 
right now because I've gone through that shit. I would not be the person I am right now talking to you on this podcast if I hadn't gone through a lot of trauma and stuff that I went through as a child, as a young adult. I wouldn't be here right now doing any of this. But here I am, 27 years old. I think I'm 27. Yep, no, 28 years old. 28, whoops, I forgot my own age. I'm 28. Here I am, 28 years old. The best person I can possibly be at this point in time. I know there's a way to go. I know there's a lot more I need to work on. But right now, in this very moment, I'm the best version of myself. And why am I the best version of myself? Why do I know that I'm the best version of myself? It's because my daughter looks at me and she laughs. She smiles. She wants to come to me. She crawls to me. That's the best version of me. Kids wouldn't sense that. If they don't think you have a good version, or they don't think you have a good key, they'll stay away from you, like dogs do, like cats do. Animals can sense that. So can kids, so can babies. So that's how I know that right now I'm the best version of me. And for you guys, just take that five minutes a day, think about what's the best version of you could possibly be, or what you love about yourself, and just do something about it. With that being said, thank you guys for listening. I know the cemetery crimes were a little bit weird, a little bit creepy, and we ended on a very high note with this whole speech that I just did off the top of my head. And to be honest, guys, I liked the way it came out, and I hope you guys did too. So, if you did like this episode, please go ahead and give us a share on Twitter, on Instagram, at the Synopsis Pod. Give us an old retweet, give us a follow, share with your friends. Let's make the world a better place, one listener at a time. I will see you guys on Friday, hopefully. Probably on Friday, that's when I'm going to do the next podcast. I'm not entirely sure. As of now, we're going to go for two days a week. As of next week, we'll find out though. So guys, like I said, find one part of you that you love. Focus on that for five minutes. And become a better person. And we all will eventually become better together. Have a great day. Have an even greater tomorrow. And we will see you next time on The Synopsis. Thank you.